Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. I'm the host, Matt Hoss, and I'm here to be the analytical hype man, which will be looking over the finer details of the festival while singing its praises. We're going to be talking about the festival, the music, and why we love the things that we do. Today's guest is a podcast and stand-up leviathan. He has appeared on the Conan O'Brien show, and you will know him as the legendary host of the pioneering podcast, The Comedian's Comedian Podcast. It's Mr. Stuart Goldsmith. Hello. What an introduction. My well, God. That was such a big introduction, Matt, that I have um, momentarily <laughs> forgotten. What did you say in the intro? You said you're going to be the analytical hype man. Yeah. Did you like that bit? Analytical hype man. I didn't dislike it, but I found it quite <laughs> confusing. To be honest, right? This is uh, the last episode of the season, and I've had okay. to change that kind of. I tried to change it every single time. And uh, to be honest, uh, I wrote that five minutes before the recording. The so. Analytical hype man. Let's just let's just think about that. No, one. don't don't you're think a, about it. Move on fast, hype Stuart. Man. Move, move on fast. <laughs> that uh, moving on fast to, so as not to analyze something. So yeah, exactly yeah. what an analytical hype man would do. Let's do it. It's okay. I'm. It's, it's my podcast, Joe. We'll do it, do it my way. Stop stop analyzing my things. Uh, <laughs> who analyzes that analytical hype, man? It's Stuart Goldsmith. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm really good, mate. Thank you. Um, I, it was just my birthday uh, last yes. weekend. I went ah. camping and I saw a comet. So I'm very excited. Well, that's good. And how has lockdown been treating you so far? Um, largely well. Uh, I pivoted hard and fast in the first couple of weeks. Uh, and as a result, threw myself into doing loads and loads of stuff online and uh, completely leaning on my wife to look after our children. And now I have noticed that and <laughs> changed what I'm doing. Yeah. And I've sort of also really decided or really kind of realised that we're recording this in the very beginning of June, uh, July, apologies. And um, I feel like we're secretly recording it in June and I've given that away and now we're yeah. going to pretend it's July, but that isn't the case. That was a genuine yeah. slip. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I've realised my son is going to start school in September, assuming everything continues and there isn't a massive second spike before then. Um, so there is very little that I need to do now that I couldn't be doing in September. So I'm going to start really prioritising spending time with my family before one of them is lost to the system. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. And uh, well, thank you uh, for spending time with uh, me on Castable. I really do appreciate that. Uh, um but yeah, uh, so let's get into it because uh, there's a lot to talk about with this. And uh, the question I always start with with this podcast is if someone were to ask you what kind of music you are into, how do you typically respond to that question? Kind of badly. I'd respond <laughs> badly because I'm, um, <laughs> I do like music, but I think my, my, I'm incredibly picky yeah. and I can't listen to, I can't get into music and re-listen to it if a single thing about it annoys me. Oh, so really? I love the singer, but the lyrics don't mean anything to me. I can't get into it. If the singer oh, no. and the lyrics are great, but I don't like the riff or the whatever it is, um, and I'm not very musically literate, as you can tell. <laughs> I've, I've heard of a riff. That's apparently a thing. Um, but basically, there only needs to be one little fly in the ointment for me to go, yeah, I'm not going to bother with that. So what I have always done, I now realize, is that I have found a thing I like and obsessively played it to death. Oh, wow. So I, I've got, I suppose, arguably eclectic tastes, but not broad tastes. It's like I'm really into, um, uh, I really like the Mountain Goats. I like Faith mm -hmm. No More. I like um, uh, They Might Be Giants. I've seen live. I like mm. Biffy Clyro. 
uh, I like a sort of a, uh, I mean, I don't suppose that range is very broad and I'm always, I'm always <laughs> like, but it, but it's not like I like many other things in each of the genres that those bands belong to. So mm -hmm. I just basically get a thing I like and then mercilessly beat it to death. You know what? I find that genuinely fascinating because I think a lot of my music taste has so many imperfections in it. If you know what I mean? I think uh, like if I were to get annoyed by one thing in my music, like and it disowned that band forever, I don't think I would listen to anything because uh, especially like a lot of punk stuff, like a lot of the audio quality could be bad and stuff like that. Or like, it, it could, or especially like certain with all the music, there can be kind of like a lot of faux pas with, uh, in terms of like, you know, culturally it's moved on since then. So you can be like, oh, yeah. So uh, but yeah, I think that's a really great. Uh, uh, I like because you're you you've got very precise music taste in terms of uh, it has to be what exactly what you like as well. So what? Yeah, what absolutely. Kind of, sorry, go. I, I was just going to say, um, like for example, in terms of like examples of flies in the ointment, I was yeah. really into Counting Crows. It yeah. was the nineties. Everyone was, <laughs> I was really into Counting Crows, and then so I loved their first album. Then I really enjoyed their second album. I liked Live Across a Wire, which was the live album, and then their sort of third studio album came out and and i just went oh i don't like this nope, that's me i'm out oh and my it, god it's, it's not that i ever it's not that i stopped listening to the first two it just kind of put me off that and the fact my friend quang pointed out that um adam duritz from counting crows is a man who has certainly at that time he had stepped out with both courtney cox and jennifer aniston and was still whinging that he couldn't get a girlfriend <laughs> on, like, all his songs are yeah. that he can't get a girlfriend and even i mean i love pearl jam right i yeah. love pearl jam you know the more recent albums i'm less into because yeah. I'm, I'm in a different time in my life but I was sort of remarking last night that there's a Tim Minchin song, I forget which one, where he does a tiny, he doesn't mention it's Vedder, but he does an impression of Eddie Vedder. And he sings the line, it's just one line in, in the kind of, in the sort of sprawling musical bit of one of his songs. And he does a line where he goes, oh, I'm really upset about some <laughs> stuff that happened in the past. And it, and it, it just, it absolutely skews yeah. Pearl Jam in yeah. a way that now makes it hard for me to revisit Pearl Jam. Yeah. I just kind of like for me I, I love some of their stuff and I'm quite proggy. I love a build-up. I love like my favorite song ever is Comforting Sounds by Mew, which is just this one riff kind of built up and played with over and over and over again. Yeah. This huge crescendo. I, I, I like those kind of things and, and Pearl Jam have got some someone told me this was proggy, I don't know if it is, but like something like Rearview Mirror where it's a build up to to a musical and vocal crescendo at the same time. I think of also something like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, what's the song? Other Side, mm -hmm. whereby there's kind of it's just a this incredible synergy in that song between a kind of a pulsing build up of a of a, a guitar part or melody and then, and it's sort of an eventual, like a narrative, any minute, any minute, no, any minute, any minute, no, any minute, yes, with a singer going, I've given of my everything, bang. Yeah. You know, those moments I love. But for example, I have no interest in Muse. You'd think <laughs> I'd like Muse, there's so many people you'd yeah. think I'd like, people like, you like this, you'll like that then. And I listen, I go, nah, don't like the voice, <laughs> don't like some tiny aspect of the lyrics, don't like the haircut, I'm out, I can't get into it. But because obviously you're a comedian. If someone went to go and see you perform as a comedian and like, you know what, just don't like his shoes and just Mate, left. Would, would, I'm would you... sure that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how we met, actually. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's really interesting. But have you ever wanted to be a musician yourself? Have you ever have you learned any instruments? 
No, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> no, no. Um, I only, I, I, here's one of the big secrets of my life. I only ever bother doing things I'm a bit naturally good at. Oh, so really? I don't think I've really ever, like, I remember picking up a guitar when I was a kid and going kaplong, kapling. Oh, no, thanks. And putting that down. <laughs> and so, you know, I've just have had absolutely no, I just don't dream very big. You know, I go, yeah. oh, that, that thing. That's not for me. Nowadays, I do think of it from time to time because I like, um, I do tend to like singer-songwriter stuff where it's one person exploring an idea, just them and an instrument. So huge fan of Damien Rice. Absolutely mm -hmm. love Damien Rice. And it's, it's, it's intricate and he's incredibly good at suggesting a rhyme that he then doesn't do. And I feel like, you know, it's a bit of a, um, it has a kind of... Not, not a puzzle exactly, but an intricate thing. I like heist mm -hmm. movies for the same reason. A suggestion. Again, it's it's about narrative for me. It's like you think you know where this is going and you don't, but the end was buried in the beginning. And you mm. get a lot of that with singer-songwriters, good ones. You get kind of, or ones that I like at least, you get lots of kind of narrative uh, tease and narrative mm. resolution. I really like that. I was in a car journey very early on in my comedy career with Rob Deering. He mm -hmm. was the headliner, I was the host probably. And unusually, as you know, in comedy, the headliner was giving me a lift. He just had a nice yeah. car drive it. And on the way, he said, plug in your iPod, remember them, to the stereo via a jack, remember yeah. them. And, um, <laughs> and, he, yeah. uh, and he said, just play me three or four different things you like. So I played him what I thought were the four corners of my music collection. And he said, well, you clearly like, and then bing, 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 bing. And, and I went, yep, absolutely I do. And he said, I bet you like these types of novels and these types of films. And I was like, you're absolutely right. Because I realised that what I had thought was a broad and eclectic range of songs I'd played him was effectively the same thing four times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Do you remember so, any of those songs? Oh, it would have been something like... Um, oh, God, I don't, I don't remember the specific songs. Because I, I think the other thing is that I... And Spotify has ruined me for this. Because I used yeah. to love mixtapes. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. now or playlists even, but now, or like mixed CDs or whatever they were, I just don't remember what music I used to like. On my birthday, uh, I listened to Star Machine 2000 by uh -huh. uh, Wintergarten. And that guy is unbelievable. Have a look, I think it's Winter or Vin it's spelt Winter, Wintergarten, G-A-T-A, -A, yeah. all one word. He has got a YouTube video of an instrument that he made that contains like a thousand marbles. He made the instrument and the instrument is based on marbles falling down uh, marble runs and twanging notes. Mm -hmm. And you crank the machine and the whole thing is the most extraordinary endeavor. He created it, he built it and he plays this brilliant song on it. A friend of mine showed it to me again. I went, oh, I've seen this. And I suddenly went, hang on, Wintergarten. That's the guy that did Star Machine. So I played Star Machine again and I lay there looking up at the sky and watching these clouds at a sunset, listening to that, which is a preposterously brilliant song. Again, it's a little bit proggy. It's one phrase repeated over and over with increasing bells and whistles. And I do a lot of narrative work in my head. I listen to that and I go, oh, that's like the life of a child. And that's yeah. when they're a baby and that's when they're a toddler. And that all these different phrases have these different things. And I suddenly realized god i've not heard this for years mm -hmm. because of bloody spotify because i don't have any tangible music i don't have ten thousand tracks don't downloaded on my phone i've just mm -hmm. got whatever's on the spotify playlist yeah so i can't this is a long answer to the question do i remember what the songs were <laughs> I don't because 
I can't remember what I was listening to in yeah. 2005. I can't yeah. remember what I was listening to in 2010. They wouldn't have been songs that were necessarily of that time, but they would have been the raft of 30 to 100 songs that I play all the time and that I've moved on from. So I wish someone could, if I had a time machine, I would not kill Hitler. I would use it for the much more important business of going back and seeing me you know, at six month or annual gaps yeah. and saying, Stu, what are you? I'm your future self. Don't worry. There's, nothing to worry. there's a pandemic, but just try and stay fit. Um, what, yeah. Just please let me know what are you listening to right now? Yeah. Because there will be songs I love that I simply cannot remember. Yeah, it's nice that you you don't give yourself a sports book full of like uh, facts and figurines like Biff from Back to the Future. It's like, no, no, just give me an iPod and then I'm yeah, going to put I it just, on the I want to I want to learn from you. I'm giving <laughs> you nothing. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, Bitcoin. Get one Bitcoin early doors. That'll do. <laughs> Invest in Zoom. So we'll, we should probably move on in a second. But before we do that, how many festivals have you been to, but outside of work? Well, uh, very few, I suppose. Um, there is always a work thing. Again, I, I mean, I'm such a tedious person. What I do is I discover a thing I like and I hammer it to death. Yeah. So every year I go to Glastonbury, I go to Llama Tree, I go to End of the Road if I can. That's always work. I go to Latitude mm -hmm. if I can. That's always work. Um, I go to McCuntley. I think there's a comedy festival in McCuntley. Yeah. Um, but in terms of music festivals, festival, I would always try and get booked at yeah. because I, I've got a weird relationship with festivals whereby I love them and I look forward to them. And when I get there, oh, it's all just a bit of hassle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Glastonbury is my favourite because I regard Glastonbury as the theatre and circus green room. Mm -hmm. Some of my circus and comedy friends from all over the world being there. And there's a slightly tiresome music festival nearby that I occasionally will be bothered to go. I'm not going to traipse over there to the yeah. West Hold Field. That's got, what's that going to take about four minutes? Yeah. The pyramid. Um, so... I suppose, I mean, that's largely to do with the fact that I'm, I now have children and they always, like my son's four, he's been to four Glastonbury's. So it, yeah. it's um, one of those he was in the womb for, because there was one of those. But um, I take the kids and so now I get to do much less zooming around. So the answer to the question is um, very few that I haven't been working at, but I have deliberately sought and nailed down work at a variety of festivals so that I can go to them. I get very antsy watching music. I'm, I... I'm not one of those comedians who's going to self-diagnose with ADHD, but only because I can't be bothered. Um, yeah. I, I am a fidget, whatever, whether that's neurological or not. I'm a fidget, and I can only really enjoy live music if I know it. So if I know the words, I will absolutely love singing along, bopping along. I was in the mosh pit for Biffy Clyro once again. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant, and I knew all the music. Um, I, I'm not one of these people, and it, it fascinates me how people can do this walk up to a band they don't know, stand mm -hmm. there and come away a fan. That's happened maybe twice in my life. Well, I find it really interesting to see that this is not a psychological podcast, but I, uh, it's, it's nice that you're kind of all in or not at all for a band. It's yes, like, okay, absolutely I, I, consistent I, I, in my tedious yeah. culture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, I'm the kind of person, I don't usually go and see bands I don't know that often, because I think it's, it is a risk, but less so at a music festival, because that's what it's for, but I kind of like just wandering up and just seeing the atmosphere and the vibe created as well, I think it's like a, yeah, it's a kind of magical aura as well regardless let's go and set up camp great is there will you be playing a sting now which there is would be. zipping a camping bag and hammering uh, tent pegs God, and all that kind of business 
You know what? I wish I did that, but a I squeaky hadn't. Squeaky wheel on a wheelbarrow, some squelching mud. That, that's that's. You know what? I would. You know what? I would love that, but I haven't done that. I've, just, I've made some garage band jingles where I've sung over the top of them, and it's quite silly. So it's. Fair, uh, fair. Um, well, if you wanted to do do you're welcome to do that as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hey, this is Matt Hoss here. Just a quick reminder to politely ask you to please subscribe to Castable as well as give us a five star review. It genuinely only takes about two minutes of your time, and it really helps the podcast to be seen. Plus, it would make me incredibly happy to see those five star reviews. Thank you so much for helping. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. About to drop some matters like I know I should But I just remember that I left it in the club I don't know how I'll get my high I take a look around and know I sigh But then my salvation, it comes through Cause I'm inhaling pure O2 Cause I'm going into the oxygen tank Cause I'm going into the that was actually quite disappointing. So what is the name of your music festival, Stuart? Oh, good question. Um, I haven't thought about this. I mean, Stew Fest is the obvious one. You know, my <laughs> friends got married. My friends were such early adopters of the concept of a wedding festival that they had the, the website wedfest.com. And yeah. they let it lapse. <laughs> They'd be worth <laughs> tens of thousands yes. now. They oh my god! Lapse. What's my festival called? Oh, I don't know. You might have to come back to me. There's probably a perfect name out there. But for now, let's let's give it the placeholder stew fest. Stew fest is good. You can always have the the festivals festival. Um, something like that. Uh, <laughs> we'll stick with stew fest for now because I like that. So, do you know or have anywhere in mind that you think geographically your festival might be? Oh, let's go for the west coast of Scotland. Let's make oh, it. Oh, how an island that's a pig to get to. Oh, let's make it over <laughs> something like that. Um, Sky. <laughs> I never made it as far. No, do you know what Rothsey? I uh, I uh, filmed a, a kids TV show uh, near Rothsey in the Kyles of Butte. In fact, that would make it difficult to get to. We filmed the show. <laughs> on four decommissioned uh, freight ships, like the ships yeah. you put like mask container ships on. Um, and they were strapped together into an enormous raft waiting to be you know, taken to bits. So we'll have the festival on that. Lovely. I think that's, uh, that's brilliant. I like that because already so far, it's, uh, as you said, a pain to get to. And the West Coast of Scotland on a freighter, it's... Uh, that, it... is the, that is an absolute <laughs> tip. My, and again, this is the same friend who had Wedfest. His stag do, this is podcast consultant Pete Dobbing. His stag do took place um, as far away, like deliberately inconveniently far away, so mm. that he could invite absolutely everyone he wanted to on his stag do, and, yeah. yet, be, and yet know that the numbers would be manageable because yeah. not everybody could be asked. So you get a self-selecting group of people. It's the same with McCuncliffe. You know, that's why that festival is so good, because only people who are cool enough to be bothered going there, you know, like to say it's taking several train changes. Yeah. So yeah, we'll do that. We'll do the Kyles of Butte on a bunch of uh, freighter ships strapped together. I like that. And it's already quite a tight concept. I imagine it's quite atmospheric as well, like uh, West Coast of Scotland, but also like on freighter ships. It's it's very um, it's going to be very boutique, I would say. Yes, very small number of uh, ticket holders allowed. Very as few people there as possible. Okay, what's the capacity? If you're saying them, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll go for I don't know something like um, 
I mean, you do want you want the headliners to have a big old gig. So let's say five thousand. Five thousand. If it was five, it did. And you were talking about the selective process of that. It sounds like very Willy Wonka esque. Like just give out golden tickets to five of your friends, and that's. Oh, it. it's just people I know. Yeah. Why would you want strangers there? <laughs> well, that's it. Because like with music festivals and any gig, really, you kind of get. There's always a worry that you're going to bump into some kind of dickheads and stuff like that and people who are who are on the same vibe or are too drunk and being a bit aggressive as well. And uh, and that does happen at music festivals as well. But yeah, so if you get like 5,000 nice people, that'd be great. Yes, it's, um, it's so you get 1,000 friends or friends of friends and tell them to invite friends of friends. And you do the whole thing in a very kind of stealth-marketed way. So it's called the Secret <laughs> Festival. It happens somewhere fiendishly difficult to get to and invites are the physical tickets which you give to people. You give people wads of physical tickets and they can give out a few physical tickets and it's never mentioned on social media. Wow. And if you do mention it, your your physical ticket is void. Done. You're excommunicated. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like if you're a magician and you tell a magician's trick. Like, yeah, we're out. Yeah. Uh, so is there camping and are you a fan of camping? Uh, I, again, I look forward to camping. I plan camping. I camp often. And then when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh God, this is a pain in the ass. And, but I think it's like, it's like recreational drugs. The best bit about camping is when it stops and you, you come back to your house. So like I've, I've, I've made breakfast in a campsite for the last three mornings. And then this morning uh, I made breakfast in my house where I know where everything is. And there's a, there's a, there's a hob and there's a, there's a proper kettle. Yeah, coffee maker. Um, I do love the idea of camping. I think I find camping a bit of a struggle because my wife and I have diametrically opposed goals when camping. Mm-hmm. Her goal when camp, my goal when camping is to take the least possible stuff in order to survive, in yeah. order to thrive. But yeah, like the game is you've got a go bag. Hey, should we go camping? Let's go camping now. In five minutes, we're leaving the house. That's the bag. Boom, we're out. Her goal when camping is to make sure that she is prepared for every eventuality. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. They, they, it took us a while. Once I worked out that was what was going on, it was much yeah. easier to camp without ramming. But because um, I imagined you kind of like a bushcraft kind of person, like whittling a stick, like just ready for the uh, apocalypse. And, oh, I'm uh, not saying I've got any actual ability. I would just rather, <laughs> I'd just rather suffer with no stick than yeah. feel like I had to pack loads of sticks. Because I can't, you know, I take loads of clothes camping and then I don't change my clothes. I just go wear the same pants for three days. Yeah, you know, like we, I've got a camper van. I own my second camper van. It's a Mazda Bongo. And it's absolutely lovely, but mm-hmm. it is too small for a family of four, really. We've got an awning that goes on the side, but the biggest problem is the beds in it aren't converted beds. It's not a rock and roll bed. It's just fold down back seats that mm-hmm. fold completely down. And then you have to wedge in strip after strip of foam that you have to carry there with you. So we've got this memory foam. So it's just, God, Matt, it's just a lot of faff. Mm-hmm. But once you're there and set, I mean, I'm absolutely the sort of nerd who likes to go, right, we're in the camp. And um, we've 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 settled. We're chocked. I love chocking the van. Chocking the van is just you know what I mean. Like you're. Is it put the woods underneath the? Tires. You've got two. Well, we've got two yeah. big plastic chocks, really big, heavy duty ones, and you've got two. So you've got a choice of four wheels. You've got to set them. The most satisfying is when you're like right, front left wheel, di- chock directly behind wheel, front back uh, uh, back left wheel. It's six inches further back, so you've got a really way, and you get yeah. it one. It's fantastic. Then I hit my stopwatch. I'm going to make camp, and yeah. this I came a cropper on uh, Friday because the lady who ran the campsite, not a festival, obviously, just a campsite, 
she came around and said, cool, you've thrown that tent up quick. And I looked at my watch, which was still ticking. Yeah. And I, before I could stop myself, I said 34 minutes, 12 seconds, because it was still going. <laughs> and it's not like she suddenly was like, whoa, what a cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a taskmaster task. It's like, right, get up as fast as possible. Uh, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah. How many days of this festival are there? Are they about the t- typical three or what's your vibe? You need a well. When we go to Glastonbury, we go for a long time. We get yeah. there as early as we can, and we leave as late as we can. So I think I do a long weekend, which enables people to really overdo it on the Sunday, but mm. know that they've got the whole Monday to recover and there's nothing cool. on. Yeah. So yeah. we'll do we'll do Thursday to Monday. Brilliant stuff. Well, I I think I'm very excited about this, and I'm very uh, very excited to be an analytical hype to go all the way to scotland and see your festival shoe fest and uh well without further ado let's get to the festival get ready for a gratuitous guitar solo here we go for 14 minutes Okay, so we are at Stewfest. It's uh, it's Thursday night, or maybe Friday. Um, on your Thursday, do you have any musical acts, or is it just kind of like the oh, big bonkers? Yes, yes, you do. You've got um, you've got musical acts, but you've got circus-oriented musical acts. The best yes. Thursday night act that I saw at Glastonbury was many years ago. They were called Fuck Knuckle and the Bastards, <laughs> and I I found out later, or I was told later, that they aren't so much a real band so much as a sort of an arty theatre collective who could play instruments, who kind of put together that show as a one-off. Yeah, and it was absolutely brilliant. It's kind of gypsy folk, um, just a kind of party band in a wooden barn, like a sort of temporarily made wooden barn. And they sang a song about cider halfway through, and they threw hundreds of meter long paper straws into the crowd, like meter long straws. Yeah, and then had a huge metal bucket of cider down the front, and everyone that grabbed a straw ran down the front and leaned in and had. Oh my god! So they're, they're your perfect Thursday night opener. Like that that's amazing. Was it was that Fuck Knuckle and Fuck the... Knuckle and the Bastards. Of course. Uh already you sold me on this festival. I'm loving it so far. And and they're probably we're gonna keep the vibe going with uh, is it Gogol Bordello? Oh <gasps> yes. Oh Gogol yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, is that also on the Thursday as well? So you kinda of... uh, yes, that's the Thursday night. It's kind of a gentle lead in. There's only one thing happening on Thursday, so yeah. everyone goes to the goes to that one thing. I always like the kind of Thursday or sometimes Wednesday for Glastonbury, that kind of the early, the pre, like the days before the festival starts. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the start of Rome, if you know what I mean. It's like, oh, everyone's so excited to be there. There's like kind of party and the things you don't expect to see there, that the, the kind of the man, like the stuff like just going along to see uh, fucking knuckle on the bastards and stuff like that, stuff that you wouldn't expect, you didn't plan to your festival but do happen. I love those things as well. Because uh, I remember going to Glastonbury 2014. And again, similar kind of vibe. It's just this, obviously with Glastonbury, there's so many things happening at the same time. And uh, my brewer and I went to the stage and there's just this uh, two, there was two guys just singing on stage. And uh, they did a line, they repeated quite a lot. They went, sha-la-la-la-la-la, when you're talking about you and me. And the games that you played, and the crowd went. And the games that you played, and they did it for about ten minutes, and that was our. We still sing it to this day. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so it's like I like it because it just stays with you those moments as well. And I think that's a real and especially that cider bucket. That's very. Uh, I think yeah, people definitely. 
Yeah. I remember seeing uh, I remember seeing at Glastonbury on the park stage, Chaz and Dave. Everyone oh my god! On, everyone was sitting on hay bales. Yeah, and uh, everyone had just wandered along. And the thing about Chaz and Dave is, I mean, they're kind of ridiculous, right? Because they're Chaz mm. and Dave. And then you get there and you go, these guys have been playing as a band for years. They yeah. know exactly what they're doing. They're tight as hell. It's like watching Metallica. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> very different to watching yeah. Metallica. The point is, the point is, they're match fit. They're match fit for a gig and they know what they're doing. And and you recognise way more of the songs than you realise. I had the same with Ash. I was hosting the Ben and Jerry's Sunday on the Common Music Festival. And uh, that was fun. God, emceeing a festival is so much fun. I've done it very few times. Yeah. But I, I, I had to bring the proclaimers on stage to 10,000 people. And I, I was off my tits on the adrenaline of people going, Wah! you know, are you ready? And it was like, Wah! I was doing cartwheels backstage. I'm not even one of the proclaimers. I yeah. don't know how they must have felt. Um, but I remember Ash. Like, I had no particular feelings about Ash. But then I introduced them. They played the set. And being able to watch a gig from the speakers on the side of the stage is such a privilege. It's so fun to be on mm -hmm. stage with the musicians and see everyone going off in the crowd. And it just turns out I know every song Ash have ever written. Do you yeah. Because, like, without paying attention, I've just got to go, oh, they did this one. Oh, this is one of theirs as well. Yeah. Oh, you know. So, so that was that was really special, and I like um, I like a discovery uh, sort of a band. I saw it, um, I think it was at Latitude. Um, I saw Beans on Toast. Yes, he was yeah. on to, to great things, but on this one, he was standing on a chair. I think he had an album he was selling called Standing on a Chair, um, and he was standing on a chair in a little bubble kind of geodome tent, being watched by a seated audience of maybe twenty. And he was just going for it a thousand percent. Him and his guitar. It was the most guileless music. And it was just really charming. And I just came away going, oh, that person has just made a fan out of me but, by just going for it. Yeah, but I think that's that's why I like to see those random bands because you get to see, you can go to see a band uh, who you like the music of, like the studio music of, but you go and see them and the heart maybe not be into it. But if you see just anyone being enthusiastic and just, put on a performance it really sells yeah. it for me as well. that's why john darnell from the mountain goats is cool because he's just being himself a thousand percent he's mm -hmm. not trying to be anything he's just loving what he's doing mm -hmm. by the way we kind of glossed over it pretty fast but if you don't have Chaz and dave covering metallica songs in your festival i think i have to refund my ticket because that, that's that's <laughs> what that's what i want please after your thursday uh you, so you have goku badello and fuck knock on bastards kind of a nice introductory to the festival let's let's go head first into your Friday. So we wake up a little bit hungover and we're, it's a little bit cold in Scotland, but we wake up and who's the first band that we're going to see on our Friday? I'm having Chili Gonzalez playing with Oh my orchestra. goodness. So I don't know about Chili Gonzalez. Can you tell me a little bit more about oh, what they do? Oh, yeah. Gonzalez. <laughs> um, it's a guy, Chili Gonzalez, and he is a sort of prodigious, uh, is prodigious the right word? He's an incredibly eloquent and very fast-talking mm -hmm. rapper and multi-instrumentalist. I saw him on the I saw him at Latitude one year on the floating stage, the island stage, I think it's called. And it was him and just some, not not an entire orchestra, but maybe mm -hmm. five pro orchestral music, musicians, you know, double bass, flautists and stuff. And um, that was extraordinary. Um, he did a song called Working Together, which I really recommend. And the other one is, the other one that I particularly like is uh, uh, Start Living Your Life as a Concept. Um, Chili Gonzalez, click in the context. I can't remember it. What's it called? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But have a little look on Spotify for Chili Gonzalez. Um, because it's like, I think he recently did an album with Jarvis Cocker. 
about like some sort of concept album about a hotel <laughs> i haven't actually got around to listen to that um so bit of chili gonzalez i think and so uh with chili uh um i said that very yorkshire then. chiller um but like uh um <laughs> but it, it is it quite a bombastic opening act? Is it a lot of energy or what kind of vibe is it? It's yes. He, well, he's capable of both. He's one of those guys like he can just sort of pull anything out of the bag. He's got that kind of Bowie yeah. quality of like, I can do all music. So I'll just do whatever I feel Brilliant. like at the moment. And uh, yeah. So is there also, a, do you have themes across your days or do you have a, is, um, or is it just kind of. Act- I think I would have themes across my days if I'd done a little more preparation, <laughs> which I, which I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't. So this the lineup is largely going to be me suddenly going, oh, they'd be good. Like I've, I'm pretty sure I've got one of my headliners that I've just kind of uh, yeah. pegged, um, just on the basis. I mean, I've seen an awful lot of music at festivals, not by, I mean, often, often grudgingly. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, my wife's much more into music than i am is that fair no i don't think so but she's much more into making an effort to see things i miss things at festivals i i yeah yeah i kind of um i'm just a big whingy dickhead (laughs) unless unless i know something like it is so rare for me three things yeah three things i love will line up it'll be more like I'll have heard of, I'll go to Glastonbury and I'll go, I'm really looking forward to Glastonbury for the social and for the environment and for the atmosphere. And then I'll look through, you know, you go to the the Clash Finder website and it tells you where everything is. And I go, great, I've heard of these 20 acts. Two of them are an appointment to view. And then the others are all on at the same time as each other. So I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But um, if if I think of the best things I can imagine seeing, yeah. That's good. Well, I kind of like your approach because you kind of like it's an organic approach, Matthew. Yeah, it's an organic it's, approach. You kind of remind me of like a Roman emperor. You just like, I think we'll have some of this now. You know, like you kind of like handpicking, yes. improvising. And if any of the bands do anything other than play <laughs> all of the songs I like, they'll be executed. <laughs> yeah, there's just a video of you on stage on a throne, and you just go up, thumbs up or thumbs down, and exactly. everyone's like, yeah. But I like that. So is that a stipulation that um, would you like the set list of everyone to be like? handpicked by you would you have to like certify them if they went off i think they're allowed i think they're allowed one of their own choices and the rest of it i'm going to determine they can determine the order (laughs) telling them what songs we're having yeah 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 Uh, i I think it's important to constrain artists as much as possible yeah (laughs) (laughs) imagine the promoter going up to you like Stuart, can you uh can you do uh all of these jokes i've written out for you but like you, you can do one of your own as well like, i yeah. would absolutely love that Take yeah. all- <laughs> as long as i can have an auto cue i'm fine yeah all right so after chili gonzalez and an orchestral start which i think is brilliant start, uh, way to start a day who's next well this is tricky who are your kind of middle of the day things i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind something electronic fuck buttons we'll have fuck buttons fuck buttons um, to uh just just, i think the point of the festival is to is to keep people really off balance Mm -hmm. because it isn't thematic it's just what i want this whole festival is going to be that moment at a party where you put a song on that you love and you look around hopefully everyone else (laughs) and they just hate it yeah this party is sort of revenge for all of those moments oh i you know what? That is such a beautiful moment. And I I think everyone who's come onto this podcast has always been that person who's like, like, guys, check out this. Everyone yeah. everyone like this? Why is well, someone... It's, a, it's yeah. a very universal experience. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have Chili Gonzalez, then we'll have fuck buttons, big electronic act, um, big kind of dirgy, exciting electronic act. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll have uh, a bit of a curveball, Simon and Garfunkel, but they're only playing two songs. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> they're, they're guesting. It's Fuck Buttons featuring Simon and Garfunkel. Whoa. Are they so, both still alive? Uh, I had, I think so. Paul Simon definitely is. Uh, I think... I'm going to have lots of moments, I think, where people, you know those moments where people, please welcome someone wildly unexpected. Yeah, that's... Um... Yeah, I think that would, as you heard me do it, I was like, oh, what? Electronic music and pop. Yeah. Uh, pop yeah. I, like, I was really into when people started doing mashups. They're passe now, but when people first realized you could beat match songs or do mashup versions of stuff, there's a guy. Who was the guy? There was a guy I saw do a beautiful, it was a little cabaret number in Australia, and it was a beautiful song. He's, he's a white guy, I think he's an Australian guy, and um, he was playing a sort of beautiful Korean song very slowly. Mm-hmm. And then the very last line of it, it was just a bit, the very last line of it is he sings open Gangnam Style. <laughs> Realise he's been singing Gangnam Style. Like, yeah. I love stuff like that. I love a really good, I love, you know, the Lancashire Hot Pots doing Jenny from the Block. I don't think yes. it's covered that, but that kind of a thing. Yes, know? absolutely. Like, yeah, uh, so... Um, like so Jazz and Dave like, covering Metallica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, something like, but but get lots of guest spots. Um, and I remember I was watching, who was I watching? I There was one band on at Glastonbury at the other stage, and they were going to be followed by Orbital. And I watched the first band, and I forget, it could well have been Hot Chip. Oh, God, I love that. I've been Hot Chip about eight times. I think it was Hot Chip. And then I left before Orbital because with all due respect to Orbital, I've never really got them. My wife loves them. One of my best mates loves them, has worked with them and stuff. Um, but I've just never really, it's never really clicked. So I left in order to go and see the premiere of the new Doctor Who in a tent with some 12-year-olds. And of course, the new <laughs> Doctor Who was Matt Smith and he yeah. walked on stage during the Orbital gig and they played Doctor Who. You know, they do the, <laughs> Orbital, the Doctor Who theme tune. Yeah, yeah. Their, their version of it is superb. So I missed Matt Smith doing that. So... Um, oh my god the whole thing will be an attempt to get those special moments back in yeah so to go back to fuck buttons featuring simon and garfunkel which is yeah. a weird mashup but which two simon and garfunkel songs did you say you wanted to play and why? any two just any two <laughs> <laughs> um, you know any two. I, I, i'll have feeling groovy i'm feeling groovy or whatever it's called 50 second bridge song yeah um, and um i mean you can't get them there and then have, not have them do sounds of silence you would they can, i tell you what they can do feeling groovy and sounds of silence and if they breathe a line of scarborough fair they get ejected off the stage <laughs> kind of like a bond car just like shooting them off into space yep, perfect. Yep. yeah okay so that's a already quite a um a tough festival act to beat there, especially when you see uh, the finale of uh, Paul Simon flying towards the moon. Um, who was after that mashup? Um, let's have Jose Gonzalez doing some yeah. gentle covers so everyone can calm down. Um, <laughs> one of the best ever music festival heckles. My friend Joe was watching Jose Gonzalez and someone heckled him by shouting, play something similar. It's <laughs> an honourable mention there. Yeah, um, we'll have a bit of a bit of. Uh, we've had Chile Gonzalez and Jose, Jose Gonzalez. I think those are the only two Gonzalez's I can think of. Otherwise, we could have been going for a theme. Oh, yeah. um, and then, and then I'll have a comic on. After, um, in in the same way as someone like Neil Hamburger would open for Tenacious D, I think I'll have Matt Ewins. Uh, oh my god! Doing whatever he wants for twenty minutes while there's a big changeover. 
So you would have comedians on the same stage as musicians. You wouldn't have the, yes. like a comedy tent. There. That's really no, no, cool. no, no, no. It's all one venue. It's all I one kinda, venue. I kind of like it because it's kind of like old school variety because uh, they used to have uh, uh, front cloth comics. So they would drop down the, the red curtain at the front and the comedians would go on. And kind of it's kind of like a compare, but you kind of, they are doing their time whilst the changeover is happening in the background mm-hmm. as well. So you mm-hmm. kind of have like comedian, like Matt Ewins doing his uh, wonderful set whilst uh, the changeover is happening. That's great. Yep. Yep. So then when you, when Ewins wraps up and, and I want to specify Ewins can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's the only artist on the entire lineup <laughs> yeah. that's allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, and then off the back of Ewins, I think we need something. Um, how many bands have I got per day? Because I'm envisaging we start at noon. So there might be quite a lot of time to... Let's do two more. So let's do that night. We're going to have... Uh, oh, let's have um, Ben Folds doing oh. a lot of um, uh, the stuff where he gets the audience to sing along and improvises improvises with them yeah you do two of them and the rest i'm just having my five favorite songs <laughs> um and then after folds uh we'll have pet shop boys pet shop boys to close oh, the friday night that's lovely um there is a lot of eclectic taste there like you start off well with you a... say that but i'm naming every band i've ever heard of <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh I like it though because it's there's something for everyone, isn't there? There's uh, electronic music. There's uh, some uh, kind of like uh, Simon and Garfunkel. You have uh, great comedians. You have uh, kind of crowd interaction, and then you got the Pet Shop Boys as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But again, Glastonbury on the other stage. They were just monumental. It was so good. And again, I knew so much of it without knowing that I knew it. Yeah, is that is that important for you? Something like subliminally, like not having that subliminal knowledge of a band being like, oh yeah i do know this this is great or do you do you prefer to know all the lyrics in advance um i i'm not going to enjoy it unless i know a lot of the lyrics in advance mm-hmm. and i do, i recognize that that's a character flaw <laughs> no not at all and i think we're just i think it's just uh how different people approach gigs as well um but why so what is it about pet shop boys that you what about their music do you really like why do you think they are I the love headline? The majesty of it. Yeah, I love the majesty, um, and I love their the visual element. I think they're really they they're the best kind of artist. They couldn't give a fuck, and so if they want thirty people on stage with big red flashing cubes on their head, they'll just do it, and no one's going to tell them not to because of the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, so I like that. Also, there is the familiarity of like they remind me. You know, I'll listen to those songs. I'll listen to It's a Sin or Domino Dancing or something. And it just kind of reminds me of being a teenager or in my early 20s in a nebulous way. I don't remember much of my life. My, um, that's an odd thing to say. My, like, but I'm not, as a comic, yeah. I'm, you know, some comics can be like, oh, here's this anecdote and here's that anecdote. I just kind of, I'm so busy worrying about everything that the present moment for me is just worrying about the next moment. So mm-hmm. it's very hard afterwards to look back at certain years and go, you know, this is what I was doing and thinking then. I've just got no idea. So being kind of comforted by nostalgia, nostalgic music or music yeah. that invokes nostalgia is uh, is very satisfying. That's a lovely answer, mate. So I think it's time to head to the Saturday because uh, we're going to have a... Uh, is there a big party atmosphere at this festival as well? Are people going to get drunk or is it just quite calm? 
Um, I think people can do what they want. I'm not going to, I'm legislating for so much in terms of what the artists play that I think I'm prepared to let the punters do exactly what they want. And if they piss off and it's just me watching the pitch, that's fine. My son's third birthday was uh, like all of it. We had a sort of secret forest disco for him where we'd kind of set up like a mirror ball and some music in the middle of a forest. And we sort of did a treasure hunt there and then found it because he just loves music. So, and I discovered music through him, which is really good. So there's all these kind of confused three-year-olds sitting around toasting marshmallows over a fire while my son is grooving out to Dancing on My Own by Robin under a mirror ball. Oh, that's lovely. Um, Let's have Robin. Let's have Robin open. No, let's not have Robin open. Let's have something gentle to open. On the Saturday, we're going to go in at noon. Mm. Emmy the Great. We're going to have some Emmy the Great. And then we're going to have Robin. And then we're going to have Tenacious D. Oh, mate. Yes, please. Oh, hello. And, and, then, and then we're going to knock it right down with something. We're going to have Charlie Cunningham. And then after Charlie Cunningham, we're going to start hoofing back up into the evening with probably Hot Chip and then Faith No More. That's the Saturday. Bang. Holy moly. Like, I like how you teased that finally, but there was like, Matt, here's a sucker punch of awesomeness. Bam. Okay. Yeah. Hot Chip. Yeah. Then there was it. Hot chip, and then Spencer Jones while Faith No More set up. Brilliant. Oh, man. Oh. Okay, let's dig into this because um, there's a lot of great content here. Emily Great, Robin, Tenacious D, Charlie Cunningham, Hot Chip, and Faith No More. What is it about Tenacious D? Do they mean something in particular to you or are they just well, funny? Well, incredibly or? good. You really feel that all of their material is born of improvisation. Yeah. Obviously, Jack Black has got this incredible rock tenor voice which he is just so... <laughs> I remember hearing him on Pete Holmes's podcast where Pete was saying that him and his wife did an impression of Jack Black that was just them going, Fligoo! <laughs> he's really good at those things. Also, he plays a huge part in my life now because he's the voice of Kung Fu Panda, and that is a popular oh, franchise yeah. in our house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've always... I've really loved Tenacious T. Not every single thing they've done, but I think Beelzebos... I mean, I, I heard the... Um, the pick of destiny soundtrack yes. many, many times and learnt big portions of it. Cause I do, I get a thing and I hammer it to death <laughs> before I ever saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And then oh, I that's saw the right. movie and the yeah. movie is not, it didn't set the world on fire. Um, but I think I enjoyed it loads more than a lot of people because I already knew all the songs. Well, that's an interesting thing. Cause um, I think the movie came out or maybe the DVD came out in 2008 and i again like you uh my brother and i watched it religiously over the summer and uh and uh, as well as all my school friends as well like they we it, tenacious d at that time everyone knew especially that that the movie album everyone knew every song off it as well like master exploder mm-hmm. kickapoo uh and like uh, yeah so especially beezle boss which is so theatrical as well like uh, if you go into a party and say any of those lyrics people are absolutely screaming back at you as well so I, I had think... no idea that anyone else was into them. I thought yeah. they were this tiny little band that only I knew about. Really? Like, they're playing Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah. So I went along, and it was one of my favourite moments at any gig is when they were doing a tribute, and they and Jack shouts, he said, are you demons? And every voice in the house shouted, nay, we are but men, rock! And Whoa. did the devil horns on rock. And it was just like 3,000 people in perfect step. It was, it was just glorious. I think I was at that gig as well. Or it might have been a different because they've done the, uh, the Apollo a few times. Was it the gig where Julian Barrett came on stage and did a, a improvised? With them? I don't think it was actually. No. Okay, no, different gig. That. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I tenaciously have been 
I've loved them uh, for a long time as well. And I've always tried to wonder why I like them. And it's it's because they're musical, but also I think they're just weird as well. I, I know that's such mm-hmm. a, a vague term to say, but they're very surreal in what they're talking about, especially their first album. They just have skits, which is, uh, I'm not sure how usable, uh, usual that is, but it's, uh, yeah, just them like kind of, as, as you say, like improvising and uh, it's just wonderful to listen to as well. And Yeah, uh, I think I think they do that thing that Goldie Looking Chain do, where they really dance on the edge of how real is this? Mm-hmm. Because you're listening to it going, these, these are, just a couple of jerks no 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 they're they're playing a character but the character is so deeply a part of them they've almost got license to be appalling and behave appallingly whilst knowing that it's a joke but they tread that line very carefully yes absolutely and um, and particularly with the the d they have genuine musical ability like his, jack's voice is incredible and carl's great on the guitar mm-hmm. and he's just so good at kind of giving himself the license to improvise preposterously and then save all the good bits. Mm-hmm. So it really, I find them really surprising. That's one of the things I love because I, I like a bit of comedy and sometimes it can get a bit guessable, particularly mm-hmm. when you deal with, with songs. So what they've managed to do is make genuinely good music with really genuinely surprising comedy. Yes, absolutely. Oh, no. that was a very boring dry answer. No, no, no. I, like uh, there was, to be honest, it's the content I live for, Stuart. So, um, mm-hmm. so uh, obviously you've got a great lineup here, but I, I want to double click on Hot Chip and Faith No More because I let's start with Hot Chip. Did you, you said just you say said... you're going to double click on them? Yeah, is that? Is it, well, I'm leaving this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, There's a hundred times worse than using disconnect as a noun. <laughs> Okay. Double click on it. I nearly wrote. In, I nearly wrote the phrase "deep dive" in an email earlier today. I hate myself. Sorry, Matt. Go on. Well, I feel. Uh, I feel kind of ashamed now. But you know, we're gonna. We're gonna. Uh, I don't want to say the term, but I'm gonna be a hype man who analyzes this now. But um, um, so is Hot Chip a band that you've seen the most times? What is is that? Um... They might be actually. Yeah. Um, we just we're really big fans and um. We've probably seen Hot Chip. I mean, I think we must have seen them seven or eight times. They often play Glastonbury. We always go and see them when they do. Um, we've seen them in a couple of places. We've, we've become friends with uh, Rob Smouten, who I don't think he's in the band, but he plays with them live. He does mm-hmm. percussion and guitar and, and all sorts of stuff. So we've seen them another few times through Rob. Um, he's a brilliant musician as well. We saw his um, uh, his outfit. He's in a couple of different bands. Black Peaches, a mm-hmm. cracking band. We saw them at Glasgow, just gone. Um, so uh, we, yeah, so they're probably they are. I'm so married, aren't I? I keep saying that. <laughs> um, Let's not double click on that. Um... <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I sort of think I, I think they probably are. I've seen Sting. I think I've seen Sting three times. So he was a, he was a front runner for a while, but no, certainly Hot Chip are ahead of Sting. I want to also look at Faith No More because they were the one of the bands who sent over to me to do a yep. bit more research. And I did know of them in the bands. Obviously, they're quite a big band. Uh, but why do you think they are, like with my question about the Pet Shop Boys, why do you think they are suitable for your Saturday Night Headliner? Kind of because all of their songs are different from all of their other songs. Yes, they're so eclectic in their music taste. Um, you know, the- Mike Patton has got this unbelievable vocal range, and mm-hmm. he's also, and again, I don't, I've, I've given a try to his, you know, to was it Tomahawk and Mr. Bungle, and mm-hmm. they're just not the same thing. It's like, there we go, I know what I like, and it's Faith No More, and I'll have a load of that. <laughs> I think Angel Dust may well have been the first CD I ever owned. Really? Um, and I think. 
I just, if you just look at the album Angel Dust, everything on it is profoundly different from everything else. And then when their latest album came out, they reformed and they put that album out and the song Motherfucker was their first release. And that song is absolutely perfect. And again, completely different from everything else they've ever done. I don't know that I gave the rest of the album enough of a chance to grow on me because I don't have time to listen to music. Yeah. Basically. I only listen to it while I'm driving. And often when I'm driving, I'm also working these days so that when I'm at home, I can be a dad. So I, I don't, in all honesty, listen to a great deal of music. And I do remember from when I was in my 20s and listening to loads, I would sometimes listen to something and go, I just don't know if I'm that fussed about it. And then, persevere, <laughs> yeah. and then I'd really get into it because you need to, to be able to. One of my favorite things with, with electronic music, for example, is when order arises out of apparent chaos. So if you look at Thou Shall Always Kill by Scroobius Pip and Dan the Sun. Yes, yes. I think Scroobius is fantastic on that. I think the rapping is great. But what I love about that song is the extended edit where Scroobius finishes rapping and then there is another two minutes of Dan Lassac doing that melody, mm -hmm. which you could listen to and think, Jesus Christ, this sounds like a Spectrum 48K loading in a blender. Yeah. And then you listen to it, you go, no, no, that repeats, that phrase repeats, that builds on that every time. Um, so I, I love kind of what appears to be just a storm of notes mm -hmm. resolving into a thing. It has that kind of intricacy. So I, I suppose... Um, some stuff does bear uh it no it doesn't bear it requires repeated listening in order to kind of yeah. fully appreciate it and i don't know that i've given that last album enough goes mm -hmm. well yeah faith no more are really um i again I, I think uh they played at download 2009 which was the first ever festival i went to and i i you know when you're too young to really appreciate a band and faith no more were certainly a band i got into later in life as well and uh yeah it's I've always had a little not not regret, but like a, like a minor regret that I didn't get to uh, really sh uh, enjoy it as much as possible as well at the time. But um, but that being said, I think we should head to your uh, Sunday, your final day of music, and okay. see who who's there as well. Oh my God! I mean, in what order do I put any of these acts on the <laughs> Sunday? What I'm looking for is Daft Punk. Oh. I want I want the Lonely Island. Oh wow. Um, Oh Zimmer, I'll have Hans Zimmer doing some of my doing some of the Kung Fu Panda soundtrack. <laughs> oh my god! Like Hans Zimmer, that's that's a legendary show right there. And already yeah. Sunday is pretty. I'm I'm not sure what what was the there's a, there's a theme here, but I'm not sure what the. I'm the going Della Soul, Janelle Monae. I'm going Della Soul, yes. Janelle Monae. Um, not in that order. In that order, maybe not in that order. Janelle, Janelle Monáe, De La Soul, Daft Punk, Lonely Island. I think Lonely Island are going to headline. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I want to go home humming Lonely Island, rapping Lonely Island. Okay. Um, and whoever else I said that time. So we have Janelle Monáe, De La Soul, Daft Punk, Hans Zimmer, and Lonely Oh, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Well, we'll open with Zimmer. We'll open yeah, with Zimmer. And he's got that... to do Inception, Interstellar, and Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> specifically specifically from kung fu panda from kung fu panda one the bridge from kung fu panda from kung fu panda two um i want um i want zen master uh was it called zen ball zen cannonball no what's it called zen i could look it up but it's, i think it's called zen ball master um and then from kung fu panda three 
I want jaded and then um, uh, the Dragon Warrior. I don't think Ham Zimmer's ever got requests to do Kung Fu Panda that specific. If I go and see Zimmer and he doesn't do enough Kung Fu Panda, I'm going to burn his house down. Oh, but I actually think something orchestral and uh, soundtracky like that, that's a really good Sunday start because a lot yeah. of people kind of ignore that because I remember going to Glassbury in 2014, as mentioned before, and I saw like just on the Sunday people doing ballet, like the London ballet. I can't remember the, the full title, but they were just doing ballet. It was just wonderful to watch because it was just on the main stage and it just yeah. it feels you're a bit tired and it's something soft to kind of draw you into the music. Yeah. You're not starting off early doors. Oh, also... Mountain goats, we've got to slot the mountain goats there somewhere because we haven't already. So, uh, where would you like to put mountain goats? You have Janelle Monet, Della Sol, let's do Zimmer, Della Sol, or a good Sunday afternoon. Um, so Zimmer, Della Sol, who's coming to this fucking festival? It's just me, <laughs> Zimmer, Della Sol, then, um, then. I'm thinking of a comedian now. Who could follow? Who could follow Della Soul? Someone, someone doing something fucking ludicrous. Liam Williams. Some poetry from Liam Williams. Yes. Uh, and then, whoever I said next. <laughs> Janelle Monae, Mountain Goats, Daft Punk. Janelle Monae, Mountain Goats, Daft Punk, Lonely Island. Specifically, what I love about Daft Punk is um, the way they they sample singing. Mm-hmm. into the notes yeah and then play like i don't even know what it is they're fucking doing <laughs> they just turn music into vocals in a way that i simply do not understand and couldn't hope to ever replicate um specifically harder better faster stronger yeah and the one that sounds what's the daft punk song that sounds like it sounds like the music that would play when a monkey in a satellite beamed you up and gave you the appropriate tools for the mission it was about to teleport you to i mean what's uh, i mean if i were to guess that song from there that's it's pretty banging uh, i'm gonna tell you and you will go oh yeah that one you know i i think i will actually because i think it's aerodynamic aerodynamic cool i think daft punk uh, i'm a little surprised at lonely island headlining but i see why because it's a Big sell, but yeah, but uh, Daft well, Punk... initially my thought is that they're headlining because the Lonely Island are the soundtrack that I put on in emergencies if I'm driving back from a very late, very far away gig, and they've got to, I've got to survive the last hour of the drive at two or three o'clock in the morning. Yes, yeah, it's, I put on the Lonely Island playlist of my favourites, and I know yeah. all the words, and it keeps me awake and it keeps me alive. I owe them my life. Oh, that's a wonderful reason. And I think any comedians listening to this will know exactly that feeling where like you've driven past the last serve station, your eyes are kind of a bit like sore and like it's the middle of the night and uh, you just need that extra little bit of energy just to get home as well. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's a, uh, is there anything, I think that's a pretty tight festival. Uh, by tight, I mean, there's a lot going on, uh, but I think it's all pretty wonderful. Would you like to add anything else to your festival before we move on to the final segment? Um, what else could we add? Um, I think throughout the entire festival, um, there is a separate smaller secret venue where New Model Army are playing for the entire time. <laughs> and at any time you need a bit of a break, you can just pop your head in and they'll just be bashing through everything they've ever played. <laughs> that really caught me off guard, but that's wonderful. I like that. Like, it's hidden, hidden venue. Uh, yeah. 
All right. You need well, secret things. You need some whispers of like, have you seen the, have you seen the hidden venue? Have you, have you seen the? No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you who's in there. And you've got to get to it through a tunnel and through a, you know, God knows, a rope swing or something, some sort of rope bridge. And it's like a speakeasy kind of thing. Like you have to knock on the door and have to say. Hundred percent. Yeah. And what I love because already the festival's quite hard to get to. It's quite secretive. Below that, there's another layer of secrecy going like... Yeah, they're in the engine room. Yeah. <laughs> I've only just remembered we're on boats. They're in yeah. the engine room. No, they're on a dinghy. They're on a dinghy that's being towed behind it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think it's time to deal with some floor fillers. As with event management, things are about to go wrong. So here's some hypothetical questions that Stuart has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. So, oh no, the Lonely Island have cancelled last minute. Who do you get to replace them? We don't. We cancel the entire festival. <laughs> it's going to be perfect or not at all. And then we start um, next year, and the next year's festival is called Fuck the Lonely Island. <laughs> what a massive rebranding from Stu Fest 2020 to Fuck the Lonely Island 2021. That's brilliant. Oh dear, one of your acts is running late and you need to fill for time. But fortunately, one of your favourite celebrities is willing to do a DJ set for you. Which celebrity would you pick to do a DJ set? Oh, I've just remembered I actually wanted DJ Shadow to headline. So oh. can I get DJ Shadow? Does he count as a celebrity? Uh, yeah, favourite you know celebrity to do a DJ set. Oh, um, Josh Widdicombe. No, no, of course, of course, uh, James Acaster. James A. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both, both in fact, well, Josh, when Josh and his brother Henry do the DJ sets of McCunfit, those are yeah. always glorious. Yeah, uh, but Acaster has has put me in touch with some of the best music ever. Oh so, my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, just folk. He's just had, he's just DJing his folk collection. That's strong. That's very very strong. People are starting to set the festival on fire. How do you put out the fires? I don't. I just let them go for it. That's it. it has to end with it being burned down and everyone being taken away <laughs> by the police. Daft Punk hates the guts of Hot Chip and vice versa. And they say that they won't play unless the other one pulls out. So if you had to choose between Hot Chip and Daft Punk, which one would you pick? Um, I tell Hot, Hot Chip that Daft Punk are not Daft Punk. They're actually a franchise. They're a Korean franchise of Daft <laughs> Punk who are wearing the same gear. So there is no problem. Faith No More said that they will play, but they can only do the most obscure set possible. Uh, do you agree to those terms? Yeah, don't mind. It's fine by me. Yeah. Okay, cool. And finally, let's. your festival loves you, Stu, and they want you to sing one song at the festival. If you had to pick one song to join in uh, with the band on uh, live, which song would you think you can smash and which song would you do? Um, I would do Moana's Song of the Ancestors, which is uh, the, the kind of the, the emotional crescendo, the narrative crescendo of the film Moana. Um, and I would do that with um, Lin-Manuel Miranda and we would get Hot Chip to do it. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, that's, uh, 
uh, I think this is a wonderful festival, and thank you so much for coming on, Stuart. It's been absolutely. Can pleasure. we call it Confuse Fest? Instead? <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's going to play to an audience of one. It's going to be me and four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine golden tickets. Yeah, like knee deep in unwanted golden. Tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you for Confuse Fest slash Stu Fest twenty twenty. Would you like to plug anything before the end of the podcast? Oh, thank you. Um, yes, people uh, can see my online chat show. It's called The Infinite Sofa, and it's ruining me. <laughs> it's on oh. at 9pm on twitch.tv slash Stu Goldsmith, but you can find out all about it at infinitesofa.com. And it's effectively me asking you to come and see it is the sort of the open mouth of a funnel where several weeks from now, you're part of this weird cult that wants to destroy me. Yes, well, uh, if that's not an advertisement for that, I, I don't know what is. But also, if you haven't checked it already, which, and, and I, it feels weird for me to plug it this way, but obviously do check out Concompod, which is one of the best podcasts out there. Thank so. you. It's, people often call it that for short. Its full name is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. And Sorry. cannot <laughs> discover it by Googling Concompod. <laughs> uh, apologies. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Stuart Goldsmith. Thank you for your amazing festival. Thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Castable. Please follow us at Castable Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us with your own festival suggestions to castablepodcast at gmail.com. Please go and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast provider is. It really does make all the difference. If you want to hear more of me, you can follow me at Matt House Comedy on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I'll see you soon. Bye.